couple questions that I need your help with this morning. Let's, let's test your knowledge of the Christmas story. Let's test your knowledge of the Christmas story. <coughs> Excuse me. How did Mary get to Bethlehem? Who knows? Yes. A donkey. What else? Yes. It doesn't say. We actually don't know. But it, it makes sense that she would ride a donkey, right? And we'll talk about that a little later. But you're right. The Christmas story doesn't say. So was Jesus born in a stable or an inn? It doesn't say. That's right. That was a trick question. It doesn't say. Now, a stable would make sense, right? Maybe. Um, we, we know he wasn't born in the inn. A couple of other thoughts, maybe a cave or, or a house, but it wasn't, it wasn't an inn. Who were the first ones to learn of Jesus' birth that we know of? <laughs> it doesn't say, no, I'm just kidding. We, <coughs> no, we, it, Mary and Joseph would, but outside of Mary and Joseph, who were the first ones to learn that the, the Christ child was born? The shepherds. That's not a trick question. This morning, we're going to continue in our series, Hope is Born. Hope is Born. And this morning, the, the title of the message is Hope for All. Hope for All. Two weeks ago, we looked at Mary and her response to this unexpected change in her life. How did she respond to that? How did she find hope in the unexpected? Would you open your Bibles this morning with, uh, to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. And I just have to say while you're looking, didn't the chimes choir and Josie do such a good job? What a blessing. My goodness, what a blessing. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says this, in those days. Now let me just, let me stop right there just for a moment to, to clarify something. This is a real story. It really happened. Luke wasn't making up some fable. He, he says in the beginning, in those days, this story happened. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So, so Luke starts out his, his writing, his, his record of this story by saying, in those days, this story truly happened. And he talks about this, this decree that went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. We refer to it as a census, right? That everybody would be recorded. So here you have this man by the name of Caesar Augustus, this, this emperor of Rome, and in all of his greatness... And says, listen, I, I want you to go back to the town where you're truly from. That's a little different today than what it was back in Jesus' time. Can't necessarily hop in your vehicle and drive and get there quickly. But I think one of the most amazing things about this whole thing is that, that with the snap of fingers... One man in Rome makes his declaration, and everybody else moves. Everybody else moves. But what this man who snaps his fingers in Rome doesn't know is that God's actually using this to fulfill prophecy. Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, you are the one. This is where Jesus is going to come from. He's going to come from Bethlehem. And what Caesar Augustus did is he said, listen, I, I want you guys to go here and you guys are going to go here. And sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives, things seem a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's not necessarily the way that you would have planned it. I, I imagine Mary and Joseph, uh, Mary pregnant, thinking about traveling 80 miles from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey. Hopefully it was a donkey and she wasn't walking 80 miles. But God is using this man to fulfill prophecy. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered. He went with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And we talk a lot about innkeepers, sometimes in the Christmas story. And uh, usually every drama that you have has an innkeeper, right? And what do they say? There's no room in the inn, right? It's the same thing every time. But over there, there's something, right? But we don't know exactly what the innkeeper said. If they actually met an innkeeper or just knew that there was no room in the inn. 
And there are certain things in the Christmas story that sometimes we, we um, take creative license in because it makes sense. It's probably what happened. It doesn't change the story at all. But there's something that happens in the Christmas story that sometimes gets looked over. But we're not there yet. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So, so here we have the setting of, of a number of shepherds, and, and the shepherds in Bethlehem were known to take care of the temple sheep, right? So they're taking care of the temple sheep. It's, it's nighttime outside. It's, it's dark out, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. What do you do? How do you respond when out of nowhere, an angel appears? I think my, my response would be very similar to that of the shepherds. I'd be terrified. As a matter of fact, we're not even sure that these, these shepherds were previously religious men. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. And here's what the angel says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, we live in a world today that is so divided. Did you know that? Did you ever watch the news before or, or read an article online? Um, as a matter of fact, you could, you could listen, to the same, listen to the same speech and read two different websites and have two completely different stories of what somebody was saying. The world regularly splits people up into different groups placing one higher than another, one on a pedestal, and one down off the stage. You know, we're soon approaching election season, and, uh, you know, well, it kind of feels like election season never ends, doesn't it, sometimes? Um, but we're soon approaching election season, and one of the things that you hear during election season is, is all this conversation about the middle class, right? The middle class, the middle class. We don't want to raise tax on the middle class. We're not going to do this with the middle class. And this isn't a political statement this morning. What I'm saying is that we see that we've been divided into classes. Have you noticed that? But this isn't a problem that's just existed in modern-day America. It's existed way before that as well. Think of, of, of racism, of Hitler's master race. How did that turn out? World War II. Think of the genocide that, that happened in Rwanda with the... the um, Hutus and, and Tutsis, and over, over 500,000 people were killed because of who they were and how they were viewed. And even though these examples are, are within the last you know, 75 years, give or take, um, the problem existed back at the time of Jesus as well. One of the things that gets overlooked sometimes in the Christmas story is that the angels came to the shepherds first. The shepherds. Who are the shepherds? See, people, people treat others differently based on how they talk, their financial situation, their occupation, what they smell like, how long their hair is, whether or not they have tattoos. And we look at people and we treat them differently accordingly. 
But do you know who the angels came to first? The ones that everybody else looked at. And said, I don't want to be around you. See, there had to be a wonderful, a wonderful little Jewish family who did their best to keep the law. Whose, who, whose husband loved his wife and loved the kids and, and the mom loved the husband and loved the kids and they did the best that they could in everything. Why wouldn't the angels come to them first? Why the shepherds? <coughs> Randy Alcorn, he has a book where um, it's called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus and he writes a lot about the shepherds. And let me read you a quote from his book. Uh, I think it helps us understand the magnitude of the angels coming to the shepherds. Here's what, here's what Randy Alcorn says. In general, they were considered second class and untrustworthy. Shepherding had not just lost its widespread appeal, it eventually forfeited its social acceptability. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations, but others became victims of a cruel stereotype. The religious leaders maligned the shepherd's good name. Rabbis banned pasturing sheep and goats in Israel except on desert plains. The Mishnah, Judaism's written record of the oral law, also reflects this prejudice referring to shepherds in belittling terms. One passage describes them as incompetent. Another says that no one should ever feel obliged to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. So we begin to understand a little bit of how shepherds were viewed, right? They weren't viewed as someone that you necessarily want to hang out with in public and be friends with. If you're trying to climb the social ladder, you don't have shepherds over to your house for dinner. Alcorn continues, says, Jeremiah documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted in court as witnesses. He wrote this, to buy wool, milk, or a kid, which, okay, I, I'm not from a farming background, so when I first read this, I thought they were selling children. That's not what this means, right? To sell a kid, what's a kid? Baby goat, all right. You guys are smarter than me. From a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. So why in the world? Why in the world would the angels come to the shepherds? Of all people. If, they, if they're not viewed in, in court as being able to be witnesses, do you really think anyone's going to believe them? If they can't fill judicial offices, if, if, if everything that they have is considered to be stolen property, wool, milk, or a kid, will anyone really trust them? But we see in Scripture... And I, I truly believe this is the first act with Jesus being born that we see in Jesus' ministry of compassion towards those who are viewed lower in society. Mark 2.17 says this, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well and have no, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus has a soft spot for those who are downtrodden, for those who are viewed lower in society, who everybody else turns their back on. There's something about them. You know the story of Zacchaeus? 
this tax collector who had plenty of stolen money that he'd taken from everybody else, but he was lost. He was lost. And it was interesting as I was reading, some people actually equated the way that people viewed tax collectors as the way people viewed shepherds. The first of Jesus, the first act in Jesus' ministry of compassion. Think of the lepers that were that were healed, the people that were that were delivered from their illnesses. Jesus' love for them was evident. The second thing that this does is it it broke down social and religious barriers. The shepherds were not only treated as second-class citizens, but also religiously they were treated differently. But I think above all else, the angels coming to the shepherds reminds us of this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, the angels coming to the shepherds demonstrated God's love for all people despite their differences. The angels coming to the shepherds started out this call, this declaration of there is now hope for all people. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, now imagine with me for a moment that you're a shepherd and, and you're sitting out in your field and, and you see these angels and, and you've had this amazing supernatural experience. You're going to follow through with it whether or not you are a super religious person. I have a feeling that experiencing something like that encourages you to become a very religious person. The Bible says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. So these shepherds had heard this. They know how they're treated. They know how they're viewed. And they know what people are going to think when they say, hey, listen, I, I need to tell you something, guys. Um, so we were, we were up in the fields. <laughs> And, you know, watching our sheep like we do. And all of a sudden in the sky, there, there was an angel. <laughs> there was an angel. And, and then there were more. And they said that we needed to come here because Christ had been born here. Mary and Joseph knew. But imagine anybody else they would have met on their way. You, you guys don't even understand. See, we were, we, were, we were sitting up there, and all of a sudden there were angels in the sky. Yeah, right, okay, we, we, we know you. We know your reputation. We're not believing that. You're a shepherd. Why in the world would we ever trust you? But the Bible says this, and all who heard it, and all who heard it, 
Not some who heard it or one or two people that heard it, but all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. That's because in our lives, when God does something, we need to tell people about it. We need to declare his glory and give him the praise. And the shepherds do this. You guys don't even understand what just happened and what we've experienced. And listen, I know how I might sound and how you might be looking at me. I know you might not trust me. But the reality of it is this. (coughs) Excuse me. I have to tell you. Because it's too important to not tell you. There was a story of of an atheist professor, and maybe I've shared this before, who um, (coughs) is is a staunch atheist. Yet he receives letters from from Christians uh, explaining the gospel. And somebody said, you know, that probably gets on your nerves. And the atheist professor said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because the reality of it is this. That if, if I believed that I had the true answer to eternal life, I would tell everyone as well. So it doesn't bother me one bit. But the truth is that that at times we we keep those things to ourselves. God does something amazing, something miraculous in our lives, and we keep it to ourselves. But we need to be as the shepherds. It doesn't matter what other people are going to think. We declare his goodness. We declare his power. We share the testimony of what he's done in our lives. This wasn't just one shepherd running through the street. There was a number of them, all saying the same thing. And it impacted people so much that they wondered about what happened. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. We know in the the Christmas season, when when Christmas comes around, we we know that that salvation has come for all. And we we talk about it and and we proclaim it and and we share it with people that that the the reality of it is, is listen, Jesus came to to save everyone. But at times in our lives, we respond in ways opposite of the shepherd. I know I've been guilty of it before. When the Lord lays on your heart this one person, and you know that that's someone that I need to share the gospel with. That's someone that I need to tell them about the truth. It's not our job to force Christianity on anybody. But we are to tell. Jesus, for the first declaration of Christ being born to the earth is made to the shepherds. And Jesus' last words on earth are to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, teaching them all I have commanded you and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what about me? What about me? Do you truly believe that hope came for all people. That, that, that Christmas isn't just about giving presents and singing songs 
and eating cookies. We, had, we went to see the hers lights last night. What a, that's pretty cool. We'd never seen that before. That's awesome. But we took cookies with us. We had Christmas music playing, and that's great, and it's so much fun. But Christmas is so much more than that. The birth of the Savior declaring that there is now hope for all people. And the message is brought to the shepherds. Do you have any shepherds in your life? Anybody that, that you look at and you say, man, I just, I really don't want to be associated with that person. Every time I talk to him, I, is there anyone like that in your life? Anyone who, who you know the Lord has put on your heart to share the gospel with or to love on? And how do we respond? Would you pray with me? Father, we, we reflect on the shepherds. Lord, we think about the statement that you made in sending the angels to give the most important news to the people that were tending their flocks at night. to those who had been cast out by society. Father, they weren't even valued enough to, to, to be used as a witness. But God, you said they are of value. Lord, in our lives, forgive us for the times when we treat people like shepherds. Lord, we ask that you would help us to value each and every person. And Father, may we carry the message of Christ's birth to all who will listen. Father, give us the courage. Give us the wisdom to know when to speak. Father, may the Holy Spirit guide the words that come out of our mouths. May it be so evident that they are only from you. And Father, in this Christmas season, may we declare that there is truly hope for all people.